I'm really excited and honored to be now part of the San Luis Cardinal organization. I came here because I know that I knew the the history of the team. I know this is a team that's looking forward to win, and, and every the whole organization is looking at one direction, just uh, to get back to the World Series. I know that I came here to succeed Jarian Molina, the greatest catch of the last two decades. And for me, it's an honor to be wearing um, this uniform and be behind the plate. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closets by Design of St. Louis. I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould, joined this week by the man who called it, the sports columnist who was way ahead of the game, Ben Fredrickson. Are you going to take your victory lap here? You called for Contreras. You got Contreras. Was Contreras everything you hoped and dreamed he would be? No, I'm actually uh, just trying to figure out what I'm going to have to start writing now. I've just been writing, uh, I've been factoring one, can go get Contreras column into every week mm-hmm. since October. And now I'm like, I was just kind of copy and pasting the same one. <laughs> and now I'm going to have to like come up with new material. So, um, look, I don't think I was, I was the only one who saw the potential fit between Wilson Contreras and the Cardinals. Um, I think uh, we got to give a shout out to our buddy, um, your friend, longtime friend, my shorter time friend, but Gordon Wittenmeyer, who had the, the friend of the podcast of of Contreras reaching out to Jose Quintana yeah. about, hey man, what's it like over there? And when I heard that um, from 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 Chicago Gordo, not St. Louis Gordo, I uh, I said, huh? So here's a guy who fits, a guy who wants so desperately to be the man at that position. And is asking around about a team that so desperately is going to need a dude at that position because they're losing their dude. And you go, he's got the he's got some of the same characteristics that made this city go head over heels bananas for Yadi or Molina, which is so funny because the Cardinals is like they didn't see that at first. Um, it was just obvious, and I think uh, I, I think he's I think people are going to really like having him play. For the Cardinals, the bat is going to be impressive. The defense, I think, some of the concerns are legitimate. Some of the concerns are overblown, um, and the way the game's changing probably makes him a little bit better of a defender. But I think just the the fire that he brings, how badly he wants to win, and and I think it will feel like a very good, a very good you know guy to pass the baton to after two decades of Hall of Fame play from Yadier Molina. Do you think the Cardinals around Thanksgiving? were warming to the idea of Wilson Contreras and that the meeting that they had November 30th in Orlando turned that warm into comfort? Is that how you would describe it? Or do you think that that meeting significantly changed their interest? I think based off of what we heard kind of trickling out when we were in San Diego at winter meetings, what we heard from Contreras and his agent themselves upon their introduction to St. Louis and, and from Ollie and Mo kind of going back over it after the contract was official, that meeting took them from wondering to knowing. Not that he was going to be the guy, but that he could be. Mm-hmm. And I think for Ollie, it was like, this may be my guy. And I think for Mo, it was like, we're monitoring these situations. We've got to figure out what's going on with the trades, specifically Murphy. But the questions he had were answered and he felt better. For Contreras, told his agent after that meeting, 
let's do what we got to do to get me to St. Louis. Interesting. Not, hey, I'll take a huge pay cut. Whatever. It wasn't. A, they never. What, what stunned me? They never once talked money mm-hmm. in that meeting. It was yeah. about who are you? Who are you not? Mm-hmm. Where are we right about you? Where are we wrong? And yeah. and and what do you want from us? And what what do we want from you? And it sounded like some of the big topics of the conversation were a. Prove to us that you want to catch, not be a guy who hangs out there less and less. Yeah. And he does. Um, he wants to be that guy. The Cardinals still want that guy, even in a modern era. No one's going to be Marathon Molina, but they want a primary catcher. Also, hey, here's our perception of you. You're the guy we don't like to play against. Mm-hmm. And you kind of you kind of piss us off sometimes because you, you're, you irk us. Because, yeah, yeah. And, and is that because we don't like you? Or is that because that's the same way teams felt about Yadier Molina? And that's part of the reason that the Cardinals loved him. And I think they found, like, okay, that's that's a guy that his fire might, might send you when you're across from him, but it can fuel you when it burns for you. And, and I think what one thing that Ali keeps talking about is, like, this guy so desperately wanted to be the guy that a team says, we believe in you. Right. And for him to hear that from a team that values defense, values catching, knows pitching, um, and, and it felt like that was always a constant battle for him in Chicago was like, is he good enough to call games? Can mm-hmm. he can he be better at things? And he, I think for him to hear that, it was validation, but also not like validation, I can put my feet up and right. call it a career. Validation like, they believe me, i got to go prove them right. And Mo Mo felt like, you know, they wanted to sit down and get into basically, let's talk brass tacks. Are we a fit? And that's what I. You hear about some of these free agent meetings, and you, it's golfing and whining and dining, and yeah. let's send you a video about how well you. There was nothing. Mo and Ali get on probably a Southwest flight down to Orlando. I think Ali might have drove. Right, he was in Florida. Okay. So yeah. they meet in they meet in Orlando. Contreras and his agent. It's at the Probably Ritz. on a Southwest the only, flight. The only thing that was fancy about the meeting was it happened at the Ritz. But it could have been they, – they probably didn't even check in. I said, how long to go? Well, it's supposed to be a short meeting. It goes on an hour, two hours. Okay, did you guys get dinner? And Nothing. Ollie shows up with a coffee in hand. They, and it's basically like, hey, Wilson, okay, let's sit down now. Tell us where we're wrong about your flaws and, and what can you do for it. And they, and they just dove right in. And Contreras was like he didn't want to be wine to nine. He didn't want to be pampered. Mm-hmm. He wanted to talk about how he fit with his team and, and what they wanted out of him. For him to leave that and say, hey – the Astros are coming, you know. The Angels are coming, but but tell his agent this is where I think I want to be. Yeah, and I think then you go to winter meetings, you keep an open mind, and then all of a sudden you see the A's ask, and it's like, okay, well, it's clear now that Contreras is the guy. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the A's. Well, I want to get her back. Part of it. I mean, like, yeah. I, 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 the Cardinals have not said to their credit. Like sometimes teams go first choice all along, and no, I think yeah. the Cardinals are doing a good job of saying he was a choice. We felt like he went. He we we felt much better in the possibility of the choice after meeting with him, and then once you know the A's were like, "Give us every single player on your lineup in your lineup under the age of of twenty five who's promising." The Cardinals were like, "No, we'll just sign this guy that we feel really good about instead." And we'll uh, we'll get to that trade package later. A deep tease there in the podcast, but want to first talk to you about the answers that. Wilson gave about who he's replacing. Um, Wilson Contreras, he jumped right in. Like he, to, one of the, one of the things about the press conference, a lot of times it'll be like we'll take questions. 
but Contreras asked to give like a statement at the beginning, and he touched on it. He went right to the fact that he said, I understand, I'm coming here to succeed. Word he used, succeed, uh, Yadier Molina. Nice double meaning there, by the way. Um, You know, and he called him the greatest catcher of the last 20 years. This is not something new that he's said. He's said that as a competitor. He said that when they had the whole Instagram kerfuffle. Um, I thought his humor about that was really good. It was good. good. Yeah, 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 it was good. I thought he nailed it. Um, you you don't ignore the la- there's there's two there's two ways to go wrong in a setting like that. One is to like ignore the Hall of Famer in the not in the room, but mm-hmm. ignore the Hall of Famer no longer in the room. Right. Like to be like to be to be bristled or to be annoyed that there that there was any Yachty or Molina talk in that in the, on the day of your arrival would be insane and he wasn't he started there yeah but also too to present yourself as someone who's who is that person or who is striving to be that person it's a huge mistake um, you know the worst thing you can do is try to show up and be somebody you're not and I thought he did a, just a great job of kind of walking that line between I have great respect for this person seeing what Yachty did in St. Louis and what the relationship that he had with St. Louis, it inspired him, and it made him want this chance to form his own relationship. And that's the thing. He's not coming here saying, I want to be Yadier Molina, or I want to have what Yadier Molina had. He's coming here saying what Yadier Molina did and what I watched and how I look up to him, also what I saw him in St. Louis share, I wanted I want to have my own chapter of that. And I, I just thought that was I thought it was I thought he probably spent some time thinking about how he wanted to present that. You only get one shot mm-hmm. to say that for the first time and I thought he I thought he nailed it. It dawned on me while listening to him talk and thinking about how the Cardinals are going to use him that, you know, the the focus is obviously that he's taking Yadier Molina's position on the field, but not 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 insignificantly, he's also going to take Albert Pujols' spot in the lineup. I mean, you talk about one guy coming in to the number fifth spot, last man by Albert Pujols, and the catcher spot, last man by Yadier Molina. That's some pretty heady stuff for one guy to take on the the absences of those two Cardinals, like greats. Do you like his from what you know, I mean, we obviously know his confidence. Um, do you like his skill set in that regard in coming into those two spots? Well, I think that I think there are some things you absolutely love. I mean, his offense for a catcher is oh, it's, it's one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's power there. I, the fact that he had a, a career low strikeout rate, I thought this season was interesting. pretty interesting. Yeah. That shows you maybe there's. Maybe there's some some still improvement in his some maturation in in his game still even as a 30 year old. Um, it's a little curious to see like like any guy how will it play at, at Bush Stadium? Some this place can be hard on hitters, so I think you you want to see that um, he should fit just fine in a in a lineup with Goldschmidt and Arenado. All of the fancy numbers, the hard contact, the exit velocity. I mean, he hits the ball hard. And, and I think that when you've got a catcher who's got four 20-plus homer seasons, you feel pretty good about, about the offense. The catching, um, when I said some of the things have been overblown, the worst he's been graded out at, the area that has some red flashing lights, has been his framing. And I do think that as long as framing is is something, an art form, and I believe it is, that can be used until the automated zone comes, that's probably going to be the, the biggest way that you go, wow. That And it's two reasons. One, he's probably he's a below average pitch framer. Mm-hmm. Two, the guy who he's replacing was 
the art the, the artist of mm-hmm. pitch framing and so it's it's one thing to watch somebody who when you're going from the best to do it to a guy who's not average at it it can be jarring and i think there will be some jarring moments probably there but i don't in terms of blocking balls in the dirt his arm strength is outstanding. Really yeah, he backpicks guys like Yachty does. His pop time is. is I think he learned that from watching. Sure. I think that's that's one of the things. In fact, I know it because yeah. he did that with Rizzo a lot, and they were doing it after um, Contreras had watched Yadier try it with guys he couldn't do it with. Yeah, figure out how to know your infielders yeah. and have that kind of telekinesis. With them, he does some of that stuff. Um, you know, the the areas that that really are are going to be, you know, I think. And it, just to, to to circle back to that, if you actually look at his total, you know, total defense, whatever you want, to, total runs saved, um, you know, the the fielding bible metric for his defense over the past four years, he's a plus ten. We're not talking about a guy. Like sometimes some of the takes on this guy have been like this guy who. Shows up and yeah. you know it's like he can't he can't walk into the behind the plate without tripping or something. It's not it's not Yadier Molina. The past four seasons was a plus fourteen, mm-hmm. four runs difference. Now we all know anybody who's watched Yadi that there are things Yadi did that you can't have a metric that there's no metric or no number for Yadi alerting Ali that a pitcher needs to come out of the game before right. anyone else in the whole place knows or uh, or decoding a team's hit and run <laughs> sign and then absolutely like neutralizing I it. I don't yeah. think that there I, I know a lot of You didn't get a defensive run save for that, but he got him out of the inning. A lot of things go into war and defensive run save, yeah. but I don't think unless I've missed it, I don't think there's a way to factor that in. Yeah. If there is and I missed it, let me know. Can Contreras grow in those areas? Yes. Can every catcher in the game grow in those areas? Everyone but Yadier Molina, and he just retired. So I think there's actually – the Cardinals, in a lot of ways, leaned on Yadier. Maybe there's ways the Cardinals can can kind of pay back all those years they spent leaning on Yadier and kind of give some things to Contreras. Hey, Yadier used to do this, and Yadier used to know that. You know – that he and Contreras have a relationship. It's not a relationship where they talk every day on the phone for mm-hmm. for hours, but you know there will be some more to that relationship now that now that Contreras is here. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the organization knows what Yadi did. They will be able to help Contreras in, in some of those ways. The pitchers who've worked with Yadi will be able to help him in some of those ways. And one of the things that Ali said about about what jumped out with talking to Contreras was this two things. He wants to win, you know, desperate to win, and Ali loves that trait in guys. And he also wants to improve. Mm-hmm. You know, there, he knows there are things that he can do better. And I, I thought that was that was something the Cardinals liked to hear because they didn't want to, they don't want to hear from a player, yeah. I've got this figured out, come give me my money. He thinks there are things he can do, Contreras does, and I'm sure the Cardinals do, that they can make him sharper in some areas. Maybe that's calling games. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Maybe it's – Game game planning and all the prep that Yadi put in, um, you know th- those things are are going to need to come if he's going to be that kind of legacy guy, and I think he's open to that. Yeah, he's going to get a chance to kind of look behind the the curtain, so to speak, and there'll be pitchers who are influenced by Molina, who he's going to call a game, and Wayne Ryan will be like, "Hey, man, look, this is what we were trying to do," and it might be something that like Contreras goes, oh, "I get it now," or or he's going to work with. 
you know, Jamie Pogue, or he's going to work with, you know, let's see a number of other, well, Kisner, he's going to be around Kisner. And there are things that like, there's going to be residue from having been around Yadier Molina for a decade that is going to maybe connect with him. And he brought this up and at least this was part of the agent's conversation with the Cardinals was that, you know, one next leap he can make, the Cardinals can help him make by all their experience with gold glove catchers and just like what is in the walls that he can pick up on. Uh, Can we take a real quick detour, a real quick tangent that I think people will find interesting? Yeah, I was just trying to think of how do you, one one thing before we go, Mm -hmm. Wainwright's gonna be like, when I blink three times and scratch my left knee, that means (laughs) I'm throwing throwing a curveball. You gotta know this, I mean, come on. (laughs) That's right. Trish's gonna be like, what? No, he's gonna gonna sing. Like, they're gonna give, they're gonna give pitch comm to pitchers, you know, in spring training. They are. They're gonna give a little pitch comm device to pitchers who want it in spring training. They're gonna experiment with it. And he's gonna record the voice so that, you know, he clicks it on his belt with like a curveball but all the catcher hears is him singing curveball and him singing fast it's gonna be epic I, i'm not for the for the, uh, the the changes that are coming in terms of just taking some things away from catchers mm-hmm. but in a, in a world where we're fast approaching an automated strike zone and pitchers calling their own pitches mm-hmm. then some of the the biggest that 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 the biggest concerns right now about Contreras are pitch framing and game calling it's not nothing. That two of the biggest immediate and fair, hey, these are might be areas he needs to improve on, are also areas where they could be out of the game soon enough. That's 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 not how like having a weakness like he can't hit a fastball. Right. The fastball is going to be in the game in twenty twenty in twenty twenty five. You know, umpires calling strikes may not be. I'm going to give you some comfort then. Can I give you a radical statement and then defend it? Please. All right. Pitch framing is not going anywhere. All this talk about ABS changing how catchers are valued, that's not going to happen. Pitch framing is part of the game. It will continue to be part of the game. And the current proposal for the use of an automated ball strike system is not going to change pitch framing. Would you like me to defend that statement? I guess my immediate question is, doesn't it, if they make that change, doesn't it put the emphasis more on the pitcher to find the spots that are the, that are the, I won't say trick, but that that kind of test a hitter's eye versus the computer's grading compared to what a catcher does with it once the ball is passed as it's passing the plate. Somewhat, but also the fact of how they're going to set it up. And this is something that in talking with Major League Baseball officials, and as soon as I say this, you're going to remember that Mo made an offhanded remark about it at the winter meetings. It just a, just a brief mention. He called it a challenge system. Um, He referred to ABS as a challenge program. Okay, what that means is that it's going to be like replay. Is It's only going to be put in use when the hitter or the catcher challenges. So you're going to have plenty of times where the catcher frames a pitch and the hitter goes, well, damn, that might not be the one that I challenge. Strike. You're going to have times where a pitcher frames a pitch and the ump calls it and the hitter goes, yeah, I got to challenge that one. Challenge. You know, and they're going to tap their helmet. 
but that's the only time it'll be used. It won't be used to call every pitch because they don't think that that's a necessary. It's going to be there as a fail safe for the umpire, an option. And that's how they use it in the Florida State League this year. And they did not see it slow down the game. It was super quick. There was a moment of drama. As you see, you know, a pitch come right across. The umpire calls it a, a ball. The catcher's reaction is like, what? Nope. The catcher just goes to his head. Then over the airspace, over the speaker, it goes, strike and the innings over and people walk off and it was kind of cool to watch but because it's a challenge system in the same way that the replay is there's still going to be dozens of pitches a game that won't be challenged where pitch framing still matters if they do that why don't they just ball strike every pitch like they do in some of the leagues where it's where it's every pitch is 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 immediately relayed to the umpire who's doing other things behind the plate than behind just right. calling balls and strikes. Yeah, they, I think it's because they of the timing and also because they're dealing with major league umpires that want like to... <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, so the most important pitches, yeah, you're going to get overruled, but all the other ones, you can still do that. part. But of it, the ones that are close, I mean, look, I mean, it's going to make them better and the ump's going to hear it, it, right? But, it. you know, they are going to be in the same way that the Fox tracks and all that stuff has made the umpires better. This is going to make them that much better because they're going to be that much certain but i just want want to make the point like a radical notion here like in talking with major league baseball and even like mo made that offhanded yeah, right. right. I that. yeah he, you know they there's a general sense within the game that pitch framing is still going to be a quality that they're going to have to consider in so. catchers it's because it's an art and yadi was i mean i i hear from time to time people say i hate pitch framing and i said no you hate bad pitch you had yeah. you hate you hate bad attempts at pitch framing yeah, an over dramatized sweep the boxing or the or the 10 minute hold it there to try as if the umpire is going to go oh you held it there two extra seconds oh i'll, I'll change my mind yeah. yadi yadi's touch with it was it was art it yeah. was baseball art i don't want to see baseball art taken out of baseball that's part of why we love the game so let's also say this then i think it's important to note that if you believe the the framing numbers the metrics Contreras has been improving. Yeah, in the past couple of years in his in his career, have been some of his best at at pitch framing metrics. It was it was the two years before that where they were very rough. So you can make the case, like I said, career low strikeout rate at the plate, improving pitch framing metrics behind the plate. You know, maybe he's maybe he's still getting better in some ways. So then back onto the main freeway of our conversation as we were in san diego i found it interesting to see how how we watched in real time the cardinals pursuit of a catcher evolve and you know as they lined up their options pursued the one that they had atop their options and that and and lined up other moves that they could make then if they got that guy and then pivoted so those opening days you know they re-engaged in conversations and trades for oakland or with oakland for sean murphy with toronto seemingly fixated on danny jansen that was the guy um not very many at bats for him last year big part of their pitching staff huge part of handling their pitching good power from that position considering 14 15 home runs from two not the 
power of Contreras, but still good power from that spot. Um, Sean Murphy, widely considered in the industry, the next emerging all-around catcher, like both a force behind the plate and at the plate. Um, and then, you know, and then they had Christian Vasquez and Wilson Contreras as the free agents. It did seem like these were the four guys that they felt confident they could come away with one of them. And that was Monday. And then as Tuesday arrived, it seemed like they they were like, all right, well, we got to make a move on the one we think we can get and the best one we want. And so they put, pushed on Contreras. Well, the Cardinals, if they haven't already, should send you a thank you note for reporting out and being you know having the names that Oakland wanted for Murphy because there were a lot of Cardinals fans understandably who were dead set it's got to be Sean Murphy it's got to be Murphy and I understand why I mean if he's going to be the next you know version of of Real Muto like it does everything catcher then I totally get it but when you hear well the asking price for Oakland was was high well you think okay well the Cardinals have a ton of prospects when you had the news that the asking price for Oakland was Lars Newtbar Brendan Donovan and a you know Gordon Graceffo, or maybe maybe you talk them off and give up other really intriguing yeah. high powered pitching prospect. That was all I needed to hear. I mean, I, I've been on Contreras since day one because I've just been hollering it, trying to you know stomping my feet. But for people, and I totally get the Murphy argument. Um, but when you saw that ask, to me, it was like that's a no. That's an immediate no. And here's why. Newbar has got to play every day in this outfield next year. Yeah. Donovan just won a Gold Glove. Um, you know, you need these guys to be a part of this team, or you're going to drastically change your team. And that's what we heard. We, the Cardinals were kind of working on multiple levels there. If they went and got Murphy and paid the the elaborate price, then they would have maybe had to, you know, bring in a shortstop. That's where the Dansby Swanson connection was. And I, I think they made the right call and saying, hey, we'll keep these guys be, we'll just go be determined that mm-hmm. we will not leave here without Contreras. And um, the Astros wanted him. Um, the Angels got in there. But uh, I think the fact that Contreras felt good about it, it, it made it it made it move quick. And they just it was just about getting the money and getting the dollars right. I think the I think the deal is fair. It gets him up to a hundred million if he gets the option. Yeah, a little bit over that for first time for a free agent outside the organization. And you know the Cardinals, uh, you know the Cardinals understood that that this prices in this market they're going up, up, up. They were determined to keep their prospects. Okay, well then you got to pay. There's no other way, mm-hmm. especially now when when teams are more teams are getting after it. Um, you know more teams are trying to spend. Um, they're, they're back from COVID. They're, they're they're feeling good about their finances, and if you want players, you've got to pay one way or the other. So it's just the new reality. Yeah, I was turning in my notebook to the page where I wrote down the 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 ask from the A's. Um, you know, the Cardinals aren't ones to. Well, you run into this. They don't comment on this stuff, so you have to go elsewhere. But there were the benefit was there were a lot of teams involved in and still are as we record this in trying to get Sean Murphy. And so it behooved those teams to understand what the Cardinals who were perceived as a team that could offer what, um, what, what the A's wanted. Some of it though, the, the speculation was that it involved Gorman, um, but that they could meet that. So it was, it benefited the other teams that were trying to negotiate for Murphy to understand what they were asking from the Cardinals and make sure that, you know, well, at least, 
you had an idea of what the A's were searching for. Would you have done that deal? No, I would not have. I mean, I just look at it as those. I mean, and I think the future could be very bright for for Gersefo. I don't necessarily think he's on this team when when spring training ends, but you know Donovan and Newtbar are, and not only are they on this team, they're playing important roles. So to me, it's like I view it as you're getting better with Sean Murphy, but you're you're minimizing how much you're getting better by giving away two players that were going to help your team. Like I would much rather deal prospects for guys who are going to immediately come in and help my team so you're not diluting yeah. the benefit. I mean, that's yeah. just how I would do it. Now, I know that's not always possible, and I know that, that some teams feel differently, but I actually think what the Padres do makes more sense. The Padres trade prospects. They don't. I mean, the, the inverse of the Cardinals, and they have three $300 million. The Cardinals yeah. overvalue the prospects, and the, the Padres hate their prospects. They're just like, it's like they probably don't even give them uniforms. They're just like... <laughs> They're like they don't even update their team photos on the like they're you know like the images they had up during the lockout where yeah. all the players put up like the generic yeah, player. That's a Padre prospect. That's, that's actually a, a diagram of the Padres farm system. <laughs> they just have numbers. Like Jeez. and they're, they're the opposite of the Cardinals. It's probably better to be somewhere, somewhere maybe in the middle. The Cardinals do, and the Cardinals I think are getting better about like just admitting. Like Mo at this point is like yeah we we overvalue our guys, but that's. That's kind of why, why, because they want to be a pipeline-driven team, and they yeah. want to give, they want to give, they would much rather say we would rather give a guy one too many chances to succeed with us than cut too early. Mm-hmm. And now they're especially cautious because they've cut too early on certain guys, yeah, yeah. and that's why probably Tyler O'Neill is going to get the Paul DeYoung pledge. And if he flops again, then they'll feel like, well, we, his value's never been lower, and what do we do now? But if he works, they'll feel. If it works and he has a season like twenty twenty one, they'll feel really good about it. So no, I, I would not have made I would not have made that deal. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, just go get just go get Contreras. He's been there the whole time. But I don't want to say it was like easy. Yeah. I mean, I don't give the Cardinals credit because you can't sit there and hammer them for don't dawdle. Don't twiddle right. your thumbs. Go get your guy. Figure right. out who you want and go right. get it. Don't wait. And they didn't. I mean, they had it done before winter meetings ended, which I thought, you know, if they leave, if they leave there with a good plan to get a guy, and it's and it comes to fruition, then that's a successful winter meeting for them. But they didn't. They once it became clear that Contreras was the one, they didn't they didn't settle. And I think Houston probably was like, "Dang, wasn't expecting the Cardinals to move that fast." Yeah. So yeah. good for them for yeah. for going out and, and and getting him and and being done with it. And now they got to now they got to look at what do they got to do next. What's it say that like you hit on something there? What do you think it says that Contreras? wanted to make things happen with the Cardinals and not the defending World Series champs. Well, I think it says that Contreras knew and had experienced what he went through with the Astros last time around. I mean, at the trade deadline, they were on the doorstep of trading for him and then didn't. And I think – I didn't ask him about this today. We didn't have time. But to me, that would be a a reason to to pause. You know, what did they not see in him – that 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 made them back off of wanting to bring him on for the World Series, and what they've said, and I believe this is like he wants to, he was going to be the guy. He, he's a, he's not the guy who's going to go and will love a timeshare spot, right? And that to me makes him I like him more because of that. That's what the Cardinals need yeah, him to yeah, be. Yeah. But if 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 
even if you're Contreras, you go, that team just won the World Series. They could have done it with me, and they and they passed. So to me, I would I would probably be more receptive to a team that wanted me um, and, and had not passed over me at the trade deadline. In some ways, had probably hurt his value because he then got tagged with the QO um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, could have maybe that, you know, you know that whatever team signs him factors that into their valuation yeah. process. So, uh, and I, then I think that the vision, that the experience that, that he had here when he kind of for the first time envisioned himself playing for the Cardinals, you've talked to him about this, you're writing about this, this, this moment where he goes, man, here's Albert Pujols hitting a home run, Bush Stadium's going crazy, Yadier Molina, a guy I look up to, and it kind of like has this almost out of body experience where he's mm-hmm. seeing the Bush Stadium through the eyes of a Cardinal. Yeah. Uh, he didn't. He didn't. I, I, I doubt he'd had something like that in Houston. Uh, maybe he had. <laughs> maybe he had, but he didn't talk about it today. But I, I think there was kind of. Uh, he has a. I, I think, and this is me projecting, and it's not just a, a reason to take a shot at the Cubs. I think Wilson, as he's gone through what he's gone through in Chicago. I think if you could have asked him, what do you want? I think he probably would have told you, I want to be my version of Yadier Molina to the Cubs. Mm-hmm. I want to be the guy who never left, who right. spent my whole career here, who won World Series here. I invested in them. They invested in me. I was the face of the team. Others guys came and went. Albert Pujols of the Albert Pujols of Chicago came and went. That, that, that They stripped down that team, but I stayed, and I built a new one. And they didn't let him get it. They they took yeah. that chance away from him, You're right. and then dangled him in multiple trade talks. Kind of roughed up his value in doing so. He had Ca- to say goodbye three times. Uh, yes, caused a lot of questions about him. Yeah. Why won't they commit to him? What's the deal there, man? I don't know. Is there a red flag? They didn't trade him. Well, yeah, maybe it's, maybe the, the market for him was really bad, and he had just been kind of gone through it. Yeah. So I, I can totally see a point where he was like, you know what? This team knows catching. This team knows pitching. This team values me for all the things that, that this other team didn't think I could do. Watch this. And not not from like, I don't think he's coming here. And I thought he did a good job of this today, too. I don't think he's coming here from a mindset of, I'm going to prove the Cubs wrong. No, he backed off that. No, I, think yeah. he's, I think he's saying, I'm going to prove the Cardinals right. And if it happens in the division and they have to watch it, great. You should write that. I think I will. Can you send me this audio? Can you, can you write that? Can you write it down? Write it down. Write it down. Write it down with your fancy new pencil. Just real quick. We'll give you a moment. Go ahead. Write it down. Got it. Okay. All right. That's a good line. You know, to prove the you know not prove the Cubs wrong, but prove the Cardinals right. That's a pretty. That's a good line. You, I, you should take credit because you said it. I stumble into. So I stumble into one of those about once every that's not, once every Wilson Contreras contract. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, so the 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 other de- deal was with Toronto. Um, also had interested in Lars Newbar um, as part of that. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I wanted your thoughts on this. Did we learn something about the way teams look at Lars Newbar? We did based off of these talks. So no, including the Cardinals. I learned. I can. I had confirmation of what I had. You remember, like, I had asked this question, or maybe maybe I wrote it in a chat. I wrote it in a chat that no player on the Cardinals roster heightened their ceiling more this season than Lars Newbar. There's not, and that I'm including Brendan Donovan, I'm including Alec Burleson, I'm including Jordan Walker. The entire organizational roster, no player did more to heighten the ceiling of expectations than Lars Newbar, who, let's remind everybody, 
in the first half of the season had been demoted to AAA, then goes off to the All-Star game, All-Star break, and hits his way through it at a Nolan Arenado's facility in, South, you know, in Southern California. He just hits and he hits. He flies down. His, his, one of his coaches says, help me out here. One of his personal coaches, help me out here. Talk, keeps in touch with Jeff Albert through it. Help me out here. And just hits and hits and hits and comes back. And in the second half, he's like, it's absurd. His walk rate is up there with Aaron Judge. And his, you know, his slugging percentage is up there with anybody at his position. He mixed on base percentage and slugging to a degree that like it that sings out production he does that for a full season and also like it wasn't based on like fluke things that's the best part about like he had like as the backbone of his offensive production he had patience and a willingness to take a walk he wasn't entirely based on putting a ball in play hard and hoping that it got through you know and now the shift is gone and everything like that but it wasn't gone when he was doing this and because of that like just his comfort and confidence and that patience at the plate when he did get a pitch he put damage on it so it wasn't that high of a batting average but it was high slugging for especially for that average and high on base percentage for any average and that is fascinating to me and at the end of the year i mean it became clear that like like the cardinals had thought they had something in new bar and other teams thought they had an opportunity in new bar and so that kind of generated this conversation was like look if uh if Jordan Walker is going to be your guy or Tyler O'Neill is going to come back or you need a place for Alec Burleson, you know, we'll take Newport. I mean, goodness, he was in the minors in the middle of the season. You know, I mean, I mean, the Cardinals are hip to what he would did. They saw it in person. But other teams took note that, like, this is a guy on the upswing. The other teams are like, the Cardinals have let some really good outfielders go lately. Maybe we can get one. Right. That's exactly right. This is a guy on the upswing who maybe not have a place. Toronto was interested in him. At one point in time, that conversation shifted. To an interest in Ryan Helsley. Now that is a fascinating one. Helsley for a catcher. Would you? Yeah, I probably would. But you know how I feel about relievers. No, I don't. I'm just you. You just can't trust them. I mean, <laughs> you can't. I mean, I wouldn't pay them. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to trade them. And uh, I hate to say it, they're nice. A lot of these guys are nice people. But it's the most volatile position and it's the strangest thing you can have you can be great one year and gone the next and i don't think that's going to happen with ryan but if you can get an everyday catcher for a closer i wouldn't hesitate to do what a fascinating challenge trade that would have been right two years of a catcher for two years of an all-star closer i would do it and i wouldn't look back and i'd say yeah we got graceffo Tink Hintz is throwing like a trillion miles an hour. He's got hands that are like bigger than Jordan Hicks. I mean, that's that's what the Cardinals, like raw fire-breathing athleticism. They got more guys coming who might be able to do that. And I would say, okay, here's an everyday catcher versus a closer who I mean, do we not just see how things can get wonky for a really good closer in a heartbeat Yeah, like that? Um, yeah, I would have done it. And that's not a knock on, on Helsley at all but uh i I wanted to touch on what you said about newt bar and and you've been on this his ability to take walks i think lifts his floor so high up Mm -hmm. and i think it's partly i mean so he spent what three years at usc right yeah his 
third year was bad. And that was part of why. Yeah, yeah. That was part of why his draft stock went down. That's right. And I think a lot of teams were saying. I don't know if it was bad as it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't better. It wasn't. wasn't He didn't progress. It wasn't as good as his first two. Correct. Yeah. So a lot of teams kind of stalled a little bit. A lot of teams are like, "Why does this guy? Oh, he's topped out. Mm -hmm. Or oh, he's not." And I think what the Cardinals saw were this guy, he's struggling. But he's had two. He's had good years, but he's struggling. But what is he still doing? Walking. walking. He hasn't lost his feel for the plate. He hasn't lost his patience. So as he fell, I think the Cardinals saw, oh, maybe we can f- – he's got this baseline, mm-hmm. and we can get the swing figured out because yeah. he's got this He's got this core of who he is as a hitter and this identity, and they, you know, clearly they made a good call there. Yeah. There's a difference between being a patient hitter and being a passive hitter, right? Like a patient hitter is one who, with the added benefit of damage – is gonna grow and sustain and not rely on like balls getting through to be a good hitter or you know hard ground balls that kind of thing i mean a guy who is patient and has the talent to when he does hit the ball do damage on it that's that's really good ingredients because that's not a a passive hitter a passive hitter you know waits for the walk uh, or waits for the perfect pitch that they can drive or or gets themselves in an upside down count then so then they're constantly swinging defensively i'm learning more and more that such a key to being really good at baseball as a pitcher is throwing strikes mm-hmm. and such a good key to being a really good hitter is 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 only swinging at them and only at specific strikes. Right. strikes yeah. that you can strikes that are worth swinging at. Strikes you can crush. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Or, or just or do do something with. Yeah, strikes you can with. do something productive right. with. Yeah. Because that changes, right? I mean, if you have two strikes, you don't need a if you you better swing at a third if even if you can't crush it. But I'm saying like in the in this knowing that, you know, you can limit yourself to to staying within the zone as a hitter but also keeping the zone, staying within the zone as a pitcher because other stuff, you know, the stuff, I you know, we've had, I was actually talking with someone at, at winter meetings about kind of almost just like the, the, the things that get over, that get undervalued in baseball mm-hmm. sometimes are like the most simple things. Yeah, yeah. Like, can you consistently throw strikes? Can you consistently not swing at balls? I think there's a, there's a, there is a, evolution in the game where with two strikes there's still an appeal to not think you have to cover the entire zone that you know it's i mean i know people well, what kind of hitter are you right right well, or what the situation it's is worth, it's worth swinging out of your shoes on that pitch there are guys who yeah. it's worth right but i think you better if you don't if you don't know who you are just put it in play right i think we're seeing that a little bit though it's like well i can't do anything with that pitch and so you see the strikeouts and you know and i I, guys certain guys i get that i think there are too many guys who think they're that guy yeah that's fair that's fair and they know that that guy gets paid so they want to convince themselves they're that that's fine uh well let's close here what's next i mean that's the question right once a team does something the inevitable question sometimes asked first is what's next um, what's next for the Cardinals? What what do you see them do, and then and what do you think they ought to do? What changes them? Because man, the National League ain't getting any easier. Xander Bogarts is now in the National League with the Padres. Trey Turner joined the team that won the NL pennant. Um, the Phillies are better. The Padres are still the Padres, but they got a higher payroll and, <laughs> and uh, the Cubs might actually. Do something that gets them good, you know. I mean, they 
there are still two shortstops out there as we are talking about this, either whom I would not be surprised at all if they ended up being Cubs. Sure. Or both, heck. You know, like, I mean, you could see an equation where I guess both of them could be. The Cubs should probably do something soon to, to give their fans something to talk about other than Wilson Contreras becoming a Cardinal. Well, they're putting a sports book up so you could put a bet on Wilson Contreras winning a gold glove. Yeah, the Cubs, I don't know that I'm. Uh, I feel like we've been a very anti-Cubs today. My in-laws are not going to be pleased with me. Oh, your in-laws listen? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> no, they don't even read. Um, they can read. Oh, I got a hoof boy. Um, they can read. They choose to, not to read. They choose not to read what I write. Right. Off all the time. Um, they all, they do, however, comment on my stories a lot. Oh man, <laughs> I think they run the Gould to Chicago Twitter account. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, what were we? Uh, what were we talking about? What's, what? What are the Cardinals going to do? What should they do? Um, looking at, I, well, I think they they they're clearly still interested in adding some sort of like more proven left-handed hitting experience. Maybe the the price and and the availability of some of the guys makes them more more willing to say, hey, just trust trust the young guys. I mean, we kept them all, we didn't trade for them, so trust them to to sort. Maybe Alec Burleson becomes. That guy, um, but I could still. I wouldn't be surprised if they still add somebody there. Um, I don't know that it will be somebody that makes everybody's toes tingle. But I, I would. I would think that they need to look at starting pitching and trying to find someone who can be more than a depth reliable guy, but be reliable with with better than that a tagline. And there's not. I mean, Carlos Rodon's going to get. You know he's going to be, get rich. The Cardinals probably don't want to play in that in that water, should they? Yeah, I mean they should go get a guy who can be a killer. Yeah. You know, and, and say that's our postseason starter. You know, the Cardinals were the one team. If you look at the postseason guys last year, the one team that you didn't exactly know who their guy was going to be game one, and the guy they picked to be game one and did a good job is now a Met, mm-hmm. where he'll be the game four starter or three starter if. If he pitches great for the Mets because they've got dueling aces. So a starter who's got more than just reliability. They've got a bunch of arms, but when you look at who stayed healthy and performed wire to wire last season, there's two guys, Jordan Montgomery and Miles Michaelis. And I think they they have to feel like they're a little thin there still in terms of healthy, high-level reliable starting pitching and that's where i think they should focus yeah i think the starting pitching is going to be really fascinating um over the next 12 months to be honest not just now you know from now to spring training but from spring training forward as the cardinals get in a spot where they could say well we're going to tear it all up and look at a new starting rotation um build around mats build around you know, does Hudson earn his way, and does he pitch his way into being part of that rotation? Um, does Zach Thompson get a chance to pitch his way into that rotation? Does Matthew Libertor pitch his way into being part? I mean, there, there, you could see a completely different five-man rotation in 2024 than they have starting 2023. That. That's hard to fathom, um, if, and that's based on performance, right? That's if nobody performs, then they're really in a bind. But that opening is there because all those contracts, with the exception of Matz's, expire or the Cardinals can move on from. I, I think it's really a fascinating spot for a contending team to be in, and I wonder how over the next, really over the next six months, they had uh, addressed that, whether with extensions, say Jack pitches his way, and they're like, well, we got to talk 
about something. Let's see him healthy. Let's let's get something done. Or Montgomery, you know, continues to fa- you know they seem to dream big on what he could be. Do they put you know money behind that to sort it out, or do they go, hey, Michaelis, we need you to come back because Wainwright's gone and all these all this time of trying to go well who's going to be the guy who leads the rotation you know into that next era sort of like Wilson Contreras taking over who's going to be that guy it's going to be Michaelis which would be really fascinating and it's also an interesting time because you've got if the if how can can a pipeline driven team that talks about how it wants to fill from within hit hit a uh, hit hit a season and say our stars are Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, Wilson Contreras, and you know it's like where are the guys that the Cardinals are supposed to be producing for a pipeline-driven team? Jordan Walker, or is he going to be a part of that? You know what about you know what about Jack Flaherty? He should be a part of that, but his career has taken these twists and turns. Is it past the point of no return, or is it a, is it a coming back yeah. to what he could be? So. That's really fascinating is for a pipeline-driven team, they sure have a lot of guys that are paying a lot of money who came from outside the system. And they're also on this at the same time on this cusp of what they feel like is this group of, of, of players they've drafted and developed and feel really good about, and they're all really close. Um, it's really – that's a fascinating thing. Is there – are there pitchers? Like there's, there, there can't be that many pitchers that are maybe could be realistic for them knowing what we think their payroll is going to be that would also – give them more than just more clutter mm-hmm. for the rotation. Like you and I were kicking names around just the two of us at winter meetings and a lot of them are like there's almost more trade like like, yeah, like is Pablo yeah. Lopez does he is he that guy probably? Yeah probably no like Chris Bassett's a free agent or he's not or he, he is. is okay he still is and is unless he, he has he signed here recently he might have has he signed in the last thirty like, minutes? You know, if if the Mets are going to give him Brandon Nimmo money to 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 you know like to stay around, I don't know. But he's one of those guys who kind of reminds me of Jordan Montgomery, where it's like you know the name doesn't go oh yeah, but then you look at some of the numbers and go oh that's pretty impressive. I mean, to the past what since I think it was since like nineteen he's had. No, I'm, now I'm getting Contreras' stats in my head. But for like the past few seasons, if you look at ERA and innings pitched, he's you gotta you gotta talk about some of the best pitchers in the game who've pitched more innings than him and had a lower ERA. Yeah. And he's he's up there. He's got like a top you know twenty ERA yeah. for the past few seasons, very quietly. And he's not a burn them down, strike them out guy. He's more finesse, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he's and he's good at it. Um, he also knows his stuff and knows it well, and might be the kind of guy who could fit well with a pitcher who's learning a new staff. I don't know, but they've got. I think I do think they've got to get something for the rotation that is a little more reliable than what they currently have, and also a little more toward the top shelf. And trading for it's going to be hard because all those guys that we mentioned as important parts other teams are going to want some of those guys but is there a team that will trade good pitching now for prospects later that aren't Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn probably not now they're seeing the prices that pitching is going for in free agency so where does that come from that that's going to be a rub but yeah. they need it they need to find it yeah they're going to have to change their spending 
I mean, to put it bluntly, the, the Cardinals are in a spot where whether they retain who they have internally or whether they go out in free agency, particularly if they have to go out into free agency, they are, and the Wilson Contreras deal is the beginning of it, to circle back to where we started this podcast, they are going to have to change their payroll. It is going to have to climb at a steeper incline than they originally planned. Otherwise, they can't afford the starting pitching they need. If they can't afford the starting pitching they need, they can't contend with this National League. They just can't. One thing you mentioned, the comment Mo made at winter meetings that you look back and goes, oh, that jumped out about the pitch framing. He did say at winter meetings that the budget is not always written in ink. The payroll is not always written in ink. And maybe that's as um, subtle but also as telling of a nod that you'll get from Mo that he's trying to bump it up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They need, they're, they're, they're right. It is, it is coming to a head with them that so they realize. Supplement their model and, and put the foot on the gas a little bit more? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. We should do a podcast about that sometime. We've never covered it. The, the, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I have only written about it. I mean, I only put in a headline. that they, they Look, it, they're, they're not going to be able to contend. They know. I mean, they, look, they, they were in the playoffs last year, and the next closest National League team to them was $50 million more in spending. $50 million, that like in the end of the year spending. I, I don't. I know payroll isn't everything. I know that it's it, that it. You know, people don't win. Teams don't buy championships. But you know what, though, they Dude. buy a better position to win a championship. <laughs> how, about, how about the uh, the the uh, interaction at, at at winter meetings? Won't name names in the suite, talking to, to Cardinals executives. It's the the media session, and it's a comment of. You know, the, how many times is the talk at? Are you guys going to push it? Are you guys going to go all in and the Cardinals, you know, push back? Well, you know, all in doesn't guarantee you anything. Mm-hmm. You know, you you see teams that go all in and it doesn't uh, it doesn't always work. The comment, oh, so you're you talking about the Dodgers? Oh, they don't want to point fingers. <laughs> and then you have a response. Of, Nobody else got it. I laughed. Nobody, you go, well, you'd have to point fingers at a lot of teams. Yeah. And the point being. If every team is 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 spending with the aggressiveness that the Dodgers have, someone's going to get it right. right, right, <laughs> like, right I'm right. sorry, but if you, it's just there's 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 math involved. If you shovel a bunch of money uh, at really thanks. good players, yeah, someone's going to win because of that. Thanks. And it, no, you're right. The money is not the end all be all. You know what's the end all be all? Having really good players who perform really well. Right. That's that tends to be when teams win. Yes. That is we talk about the Cardinals being pipeline driven here at the best podcast in baseball. We're definitely pipeline driven. That is longtime top prospect Ben Fredrickson, a former Rick Hummel intern who has come to be our number three hitter with as a sports columnist. Look at it, you know, that's just homegrown talent right here on the best podcast in baseball. Didn't have to go out and get a free agent. You know, we planned ahead. We had you ready. You know, you're going to take over for me someday hosting this podcast. But now, you know, you're already like surpassing everybody. Just, it's just awesome. You're, I'm glad you, you guys know. didn't trade me to San Diego. Although it is nice weather yeah. out there. It rained twice while we were there. I've never seen that happen before out there. It rained two times. Can we, 
can we trade you for a closer? Because I have such a hard time closing the podcast. I just kind of talk forever. I feel like I'm going to get a – well, it's it's what I deserve because I just ripped relievers. So this podcast, <laughs> without without a reliever, it's going to go on for eternity. Yeah. It's my punishment. You can find Ben Fredrickson's work at stltoday.com and, of course, in the pages of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. You can find all of our constant Cardinals coverage there, including coverage of how the catching pursuit evolved in San Diego from their attempts – and last attempts to trade for Sean Murphy and what the A's asking price was all the and to all the way to uh, the Contreras uh, negotiations and some of the things that were first reported and exclusively reported in the Post-Dispatch about that pursuit. I'm looking forward to you writing about the meeting that they had in Orlando. I'm going to write about the vision that Contreras had of becoming a Cardinal and then how that came to be. And by next week, we'll have something else to talk about on the best podcast in baseball. All right, let's. Can I close here? Yeah, let's see. The let's vision, see you do your close. The vision that Contreras had about becoming a Cardinal should encourage the Cardinals to get out of their 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 resistance to spend because right now, and it's credits Albert Pujols. He reminded everybody that the Cardinals are a place to be. They're a place. They're a team to join. This is a city you should want to play in. And who can say that? Okay, it's been a long time since Giancarlo Stanton said, "Ah, oh, no, not the Cardinals. I want to go be with the Yankees." Since then, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, Albert Pujols. They, St. Louis is a hot spot right now to be a destination if it will cut those checks. And if they win. Winning helps. And they haven't done that at a high level in a while. Oh. I don't know if you heard. I hadn't heard. But I have talked about it. I just don't listen. <laughs> you don't listen to your own podcast? I don't. Is that They say you're supposed to do that to make sure it's good. I'm like, eh. I can't. Who cares if it's good? Oh, I just li- I just spent an hour listening to myself talk. Yeah, Do I need to? I don't even like transcribing my my own stuff. I don't like transcribing your stuff either. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, I gotta go. All right. You can find the best podcast in baseball on iTunes. Please rate and review it. Subscribe to it if you can. Subscriptions make the sponsorships possible. Sponsorships make the podcast possible. For Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I'm St. Louis Post-Dispatch baseball writer Derek Gould. This has been the best podcast in baseball, brought to you by Closet by Design. Talk to you soon.